The nail in the coffin! We're live, Tom. All right. Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin and uh, WaitingForNextYear.com uh, special crossover here. You might be checking us out on uh, the Waiting for Next Year social media channels live, and uh, you might be catching us on the Nail uh, audio uh, feed uh, like business as usual. Uh, this is all new for me. I don't know what's uh, really going on. I figured we'd give this a shot. Uh, we've got a seasoned veteran, though, here. Uh, Mr. Craig, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, we're part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. It's the first ever nail in the coffin live on all those platforms. See, look at that. you got to call in the professional for these things. <laughs> this is what O'Reilly was talking about, doing it live. Right <laughs> we'll there. do it live. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, Trav, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. We're... Uh... It's, I tell you yesterday, it hit 50 degrees and I feel like everyone was out in shorts and flip-flops and everything after like seven degrees for the last like two, two months. It feels like I'm doing good, buddy. How about you? I'm, uh, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was thinking about it the last time you and I convened, uh, things were going really well for the Cavs and <laughs> for the Cavs, it, it, caveat, it, for the Cavs, things were it, going really well, but things they were right really around well. 500 for the Cavs. Right around 500 squarely in the mix for the playoffs. And as we got ready to record here this week, uh, you know, they've won back-to-back games the last couple nights. And as we all know, fellas, absolutely nothing went wrong in the time in between. It's been smooth sailing <laughs> all the way. Yeah, it's funny because last time we talked, I was I, – I, I'll be honest, I kind of padded my, my Cavs – 2020-2021 resume a little bit. Um, I had watched very little and cared very little, and since then, I, I texted you the other day, since then they somehow managed to make me care less, which I did not think was possible. Um, but yeah, last couple nights, they put a couple nice games together. Um, Jared Allen seems to be uh, putting himself out there pretty well. Um, well. They look relatively competent again. How long that lasts, who knows? Um, but yeah, good, good last couple nights. Craig, what is your interest level in the Cavs? Give us an idea here. Well, it all worked out kind of perfectly. I was really excited for the fast start, and I didn't expect it to keep going. Um, and we all knew that February and that West Coast road trip was going to be an utter disaster for the Cavaliers. And honestly, it was a perfect chance for me to kind of tune out for a little bit. Uh, it's not like my expectations were so high that the 10-game losing streak really – made me sad or anything. And then they, they won the last two games. It was fun. Um, it was more so, than like a 10 game losing streak though. They were getting like destroyed night in and night out. They weren't, that, it wasn't that they were like, you know, playing okay, but they were just going up against better teams. They were terrible for that entire stretch. They like were. they were not remotely competitive. And, and that really kind of, I, I think, over the weekend, whatever the last loss they had was before they won these last couple, I texted a friend of ours and I said, I'm giving him these next two games. If I don't get a win here, I, I think I need to put the Cavs on a shelf and go away for a while. Um, it, it The discourse around the Cavs, I feel like in the last couple of weeks has been awful and it has taken me to a dark place. I will admit I'm probably a little too online when it comes to the Cavs between Discord servers and Twitter and podcasts and everything else. And there has been this like undercurrent of people who have almost reveled in the Cavs struggles. And it got to a point of like, like, don't get me wrong. I think criticism is entirely fair. Skepticism is entirely fair. Uh, especially if you're kind of like wondering what their long-term viability is. And Trev, I think you were talking about this the last time you and I were on here, you know, what's the ceiling for a team that's built around this core. You know, I think that's all fair, but when you get into a point where you're like, you know, almost smugly, like, you know, laughing about 
the the dysfunction it just kind of feels like punching down and i'm like i'm not here for that it's it's not uh enhancing my experience as a sports fan but like at the same time there was also this segment of the fan base that was like trying to tell us like well it's really not actually that bad and if you look at like this five-man lineup and, and like these guys you know the numbers they're putting up and i'm like guys don't put frosting on a cardboard box and tell me it's a cake we've got 13 straight games where the Cavs haven't been able to cover the spread. It tied the worst mark in the last 30 years in the NBA. You know, I've been watching them get their teeth kicked in for a month. Like it's bad and it's frustrating because, you know, I, maybe I was a little too optimistic in uh, the last episode we did, but at the same time, I feel like, you know, three years into this rebuild, I kind of, hope that we were past the point of like setting records for futility. Like that felt to me like it was, you know, stage one and we were hopefully moving beyond that. And like, yeah, this month was going to be rough, but like, God, it can't be that bad. So. Yeah. It was ahead. weird. Cause there were people that were like, I feel like last time we talked, people were, I don't know how many, but there seemed to be a, a, a vocal minority that thought like, Colin Sexton was going to get into the all-star game and <laughs> they got all these pieces that are exactly what they need. And they have this great core. And then, you know, we go on the, the 10 game stretch. So we went on and it, it's funny because when we were talking about it, I was thinking of how much I care about the Cavs. Like obviously when they were good, we were pretty much all in, right. We were talking about them a ton and when they've been, and there hasn't really been any, middle ground with them, right? They've either, either been kind of a dumpster fire or been going to the finals every year. Um, but uh, there was this thing that posted on Twitter and everybody seemed felt like they needed to respond to it. And I was one of these people and I saw it and it was like, if you had a hundred points to give to all these teams, to give to all your sports teams, how would you distribute them? And I texted you and I said, as I filled this out, it kind of showed me, I don't know how many, how much I care about the Cavs. Like I'm not giving that many points right now to them. Um, and I, and, I, and I felt like the, I think I ended up giving him like five or something. And <laughs> I felt like that five was more just like a pity five. I didn't really care about him, but I was going to give it to him um, because we've been through so much together. Uh, <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is, are they really worth emotionally investing in right now? I have a hard time seeing it. I get if you're just, if they're just your number one team and you just love the NBA and you love, no matter what, you're one of those people who will turn it on every night. I can't get up for it. I can't do it personally. I'm. I. I think you know that's where you and I are really different. And I. I'm. If I'm not watching the NBA per se, like I don't, I don't know watch. when this happened. I honestly yeah. don't know when this happened because we have not always been this different. We've usually been pretty well aligned in this, but something happened over the last I don't know year, year and a half, whatever it is. No, I get it. And, and truth be told, I don't watch a ton of NBA games that don't involve the Cavs, but um, I, I do have a great interest in them. And this rebuild, I think, has been fun to follow. I mean, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. There's been a lot that's been not fun. But um, yeah, I, I think like what you said, like, you know, in terms of you know, how much good there was during the years of contention, you kind of, you know, for me, it was like, it's a little harder to quit that. And you know, we know, you know, I'll, I'll even agree with this. Like, it's never going to be as good as it was five years ago. You know, <laughs> time hop is uh, the, uh, the the great reminder of all this. Like, you, know, you, this is like right around that time of the year every year where it's like, oh, man, we're going through it. But it's like you always know that, all right, three months from now, uh, <laughs> time hop's going to be super fun because we're going to be like looking back at playoff buzzer beaters and things like that. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll get back to, you know, some level of contention, hopefully, but we'll see. To be fair though, that stretch is very difficult to like expect, like for any franchise, that's a, a very, very high bar. Very few teams have that sort of run. Um, so yeah, we got what we cut out of it, but it's, I feel like it, it spoiled the fan base to a decent extent to where people are like, Oh, they're not going to the finals every year. Okay, whatever. I have better things to do with my time. So this is this is an interesting thing. Like number one, I'm kind of in between you guys. I'm interested in the Cavaliers because I think I've set my expectations appropriately. Like I'll take whatever joy or fun that they can give me, but I have no expectations for them. Um, 
you know, Sexton and, and Garland and now Jarrett Allen and Okoro, they're all on the way up. So like we have no idea and, and you can say they don't have a ceiling, but whatever their ceiling is, they're on their way to it. They've not gotten there. And so this is part of the building process. I'm more interested right now, and this is interesting to me because this is not this doesn't follow what I used to be historically, but I'm more interested in the Cavaliers rebuild than whatever it is that the Indians are doing. Because I kind of feel like I enjoy watching an NBA game, even one with no expectations or no playoff expectations a little bit more than I do your average MLB game. Um, and, and so from that perspective with those expectations, I agree with you, Trav, like there, there's no reason to believe in this Cavaliers team. And ultimately that is what drives the ultimate interest, but I can watch them with a level of interest. That's like, well, let me, let me see how these guys come together, but it's not, it's it's not a competitive interest, which is ultimately what we all want. Yeah, and that was kind of the note that I closed our last discussion on, you know, that when we were talking Cavs on the last episode, was that I feel like the Cavs are kind of entering, I was hoping they were entering that stage where you're out of like the bottom feeder division of the NBA, but you're not quite to the level where you've got high expectations and like, you know, because that was the one thing with like during that playoff run with LeBron and, and all those guys, those regular seasons were not a lot of fun because it was like there, there it was uh, there, there's, there's no reward there. To get to the playoff. Yeah, it's like you're, you're killing time. And the only things that happen during the regular season are are bad. And it's like you tune in for when they were playing like the Warriors or. You know, maybe maybe like the Raptors or someone like that who was decent at the time, but yeah, yeah it was hard to get up for regular season games then too. That's a good point. And yeah. even then, even then, we LeBron kind of taught us that when we would get up for a regular season game, especially if it happened to be the Warriors at Christmas, that didn't mean the Cavaliers were up for it. You know, like they it was just one out of eighty two for them. For us, it was like, oh, we got the the Christmas Day matchup with the Warriors, or we've got this matchup with the Warriors. I can't remember which date it was where they just got embarrassed, and it was it was. I I went to that. It was game. really it was really hyped up. I re, I vaguely remember it as well, and it was I super took, hyped up leading took, up to it. I took a friend to that game, and they lost. They were down by like twenty five or thirty in the second or third quarter, and we were just like out. There were there were a few of those on MLK Day because it felt like most of those years. They would play the Christmas Day game at Golden State because they were the defending champs. And then they'd always run it back in Cleveland on MLK Day. And that was always like when everybody would hit the panic button. Um, the, the one notable exception was the one year that the Cavs got to host the Christmas game. And that was like maybe the best, the most you're fun on. Cavs regular season game ever. So you're 100% right. It was MLK Day. 2017 the Cavs lost 126 to 91 yeah yeah Christmas Day 2016 so that was I guess what six months after the finals it was the first time the Cavs were playing the Warriors with uh Kevin Durant um we uh the Cavs were down like 14 or 15 in the fourth quarter and then had the ridiculous comeback uh hit the Richard Jefferson posterized two people, and I think he got teed up after one of them. And Jeff Van Gundy was like, "Go off, Richard Jefferson! You're 36." <laughs> yeah, at that age, if you can posterize anyone, you yeah. Then Kyrie up. made the the shot uh, in the last couple seconds to to get the win. I actually I had a chance to be at that game. Uh, uh, my brother in law got tickets from a vendor, and they were like three or four rows off the floor at center court, and he had an extra ticket. And I'm like. My daughter was three at the time. I'm like, you only get so many Christmas days with your kid. I, I can't give that up. You only so, get like, so many Christmas days where the Cavaliers beat the Warriors. Team. That's well, that's also true. You get a lot fewer of those. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I just remember watching that game over at uh, one of my relatives' houses. And it was like, of course, this has to be like the greatest Cavs regular season game ever. There was no other way <laughs> that, that this was going to go. So that is what it is. Um, I, back to the the present Cavs, you Craig, you started name dropping some guys. I I have to uh, just draw the line right here. I am over the moon excited for the acquisition of Jared Allen. Um, 
this guy rules. And I understand why the Nets made the trade that they did. And to be fair to them, you look at their record over the last few weeks, they're playing very well. So it's not like they made a mistake or anything like that. But holy shit, what a break for the Cavs to to get Jared Allen uh, in here. Um, and what just an absolutely perfect fit he is for everything that they need right now. Yeah, because he's not just like a boring throwback center. He's athletic. He can he can uh, affect the game at the rim defensively, but not in the way that like the boring old centers do. He's athletic. He gets out on the break. He can he can defend if there's a, a center who can shoot from the outside. He can defend the perimeter. He's just an all round. You know, there there are guys who look like they're just tall, and then there are guys who are tall who look like athletes. And he's a tall guy who looks like an athlete. Yeah. Yeah, he's both both ends of the floor. It's it's been really fun. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. A, we talked about it last time. It was it was one of these names, and I think Tina, we were probably pretty much on the same page. Like we hadn't watched much Jared Allen, we hadn't watched much Nets basketball, but people that watch a ton of NBA at the time were saying this this is kind of a steal for the Cavs, right? This is a great a great pickup for what they gave up, um, and it's shown to be the case. Um, Obviously, I've seen a lot of talk about can they extend him, can they keep him, all that stuff. Who cares? But um, we'll find that out later. But for now, it seems like a great addition. It's it's left Andre Drummond somewhat perturbed, but who really cares? So, um, all right. So that that's one there that like I I'm I don't really understand where his head is because I don't like he could not have possibly have really believed that he was going to be like a long-term fit for the Cavs if he's looking at the rest of their core. I don't and, think he was, but I think he I think he was looking at this. He was playing pretty well before the trade. Like, he was putting in some quality minutes. I think he was playing for his next contract. When they brought him fine. his minutes get docked and all that stuff, like, I, I kind of get it. Like, it's not whatever. It is what it is. But um, that's I the don't thing, think though. he thought he was a long-term solution, but I think he thought he was going to be enough of a piece to where he could play himself into his next contract. And that's fine. And that's the thing, though, is it's like even after even after the Cavs acquired Jared Allen, they still gave Andre Drummond plenty of chances to showcase himself and build a resume. He was still starting. He was still getting minutes. Um, they, they gave him every opportunity to, you know, still make it work. And, you know, I, at that point, I feel like that's all you can reasonably do. You're giving the guy a shot, even if he's not going to be here long term. And, you know, we got what we got. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, um, I've, I mean, we were talking about it last time. The writing was kind of on the wall that he wasn't going to be a big part of what they were doing moving forward. So I don't know. It, it feels like it was kind of blown a little out of proportion. Like he accepted that the Cavs accepted that. And they kind of said, okay, well, we'll just see what, if we can, you know, move you somewhere else. It doesn't seem like he's got a whole lot of trade value, but um, yeah, I mean, so be it. Like you said, I don't know that I was expecting much from him long-term anyways, so who really cares? Craig, what's your favorite memory from the Andre Drummond era in Cleveland? <laughs> this list is going to be long. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a really good question. I <laughs> I don't know. I, I really enjoyed the fact that they took a shot at him. Like, I knew the chances of it working out well or him proving to be that he was going to be a part of the future of the Cavaliers was really low. Like the chances were low, but they didn't have anything else going on. It didn't really cost them anything. And sometimes you take a shot at an asset that you're able to flip for something really valuable. And sometimes you take a shot and, and you've got to deal with some awkwardness on the way out the door and bench him, even though, you know, just to keep him healthy so that he doesn't hurt himself while you're trying to get rid of him. I wouldn't even argue that it was a failed experiment. I mean, they gave up nothing to get him for starters and it gave them a legitimate NBA player. I mean, he was not particularly enjoyable to watch, but um, you know, he's a functional NBA player. He's I mean, he's, I think he's been an all-star and you know, he, he gave them something that they didn't really have before that. And it gave them, a, you know, the young guys, a veteran to play off of. 
um, which was something that I think was really useful for a year. I mean, it sucks the way it ended with him, but um, at least for that first year or so. That's a really good point. Like, didn't Darius Garland get some positivity about playing the pick and roll with Andre Drummond? Like, what didn't he help them at least somewhat in their development potentially? You know, those are the kinds of things that we tend not to think about. But if you've got nothing but utter disasters on your team, Andre Drummond is a professional NBA basketball player. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's he his style of play is somewhat, you know, it, it's kind of going with the Dodo Bird, right? Like guys like him, there's there's just not many of them. And it's, it's kind of weird because it wasn't that long ago that a guy that was that big and, you know, could grab you 15 boards a night. Some of the stat lines we've seen from him have been, would have been incredible just a few years ago. Right. But now it's like, and I, I don't remember who it was. I saw someone say it on Twitter. It's like, he puts up the most like underwhelming, least exciting, empty stats, emptiest, like 30, 20 games you've ever seen. Like <laughs> this, this used to be the league with Ben Wallace making a max contract. Yeah. Like Dwight Howard won an MVP and that's pretty much the exact same thing. Right. And it's kind of weird. He's kind of a poor man's Dwight Howard. If a poor man could afford (laughs) to pay him $27 million or whatever the hell, but um, like, yeah, he's a guy who got a ton of rebounds, pretty limited offensively, um, decent defender, like all that sort of stuff. But the way, how good good would Andre Drummond be in 1988? Oh my God. Are you kidding? If they had Andre Drummond the first time they had LeBron get out of here. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, and good for him. He was able to get in before that. Like he was, you know, rendered obsolete, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not the way that the league is going. And I don't know that there's many guys period that you could really expect too much more out of, right? Like he probably gave you the most that he's capable and the most that you could really expect from a guy that plays like him. Right. I'll be very interested to see what the market looks like for him this summer when he's a free agent. I, I just, I, I don't think he's going to be, I think there's a good he's reason that he's for Howard. Yeah. I just, I mean, I think there's a good reason he picked up his player option for this year. Cause he probably saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, he's not that old. I, I mean, I don't think he fits the Cavs timeline, but I mean, he's, I think only like, he's not 30. So, um, I mean, theoretically, he could still have quite a few years to go, but we'll see. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Hey, let's let's shift gears here. I... Craig, I, I need you to give us a crash course on NBA Top Shot. I I went from never having heard of this at all, I think two weeks ago, to now I can't open Twitter without seeing somebody talking about it. So I'll do my best. Uh, I'm still pretty green when it comes to NBA Top Shot, and it's not really my thing. It's not my style of thing, but I, you know, I'm – it's kind of embarrassing to say in some circles nowadays, but I'm an old school disciple of Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. And so when Gary that starts, embarrassing to say. yeah, it's fine. But can- it's fine. I've, I've learned a lot from that dude. Um, his first couple books were really influential for me just in terms of business, whatever. 
Um, I get his personality is grating and, and he's an acquired taste or some an, a taste that some people don't want to acquire at all. He's a guy I've just been overexposed to, I feel like. If I sure. met him, like if I had seen him in like smaller doses, I'd probably be all in on him. But he he's out he's he's very present and it's I don't know. Continue, so sorry. I I first got introduced to him. I actually met him in person at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference at the MIT thing in Boston. So like I I'm jaded because I actually anybody I actually met in real life, I'm going to place a, a, a pedestal above like because because I, I feel like I know them. I mean, they're, we're good friends now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so anyway, Gary V started talking about these NFTs, non fungible uh, transactions or items or whatever. I can't remember what the T stands for an NFT, but it's, it's essentially like a, a baseball card or a basketball card that's virtual. It's, uh, it's the basketball or sports equivalent of an MP3. You know, trying to explain NBA top shot to a sports fan is like trying go back in time to the 1990s and explaining MP3s to your parents who bought eight tracks, tapes, records, and CDs. Eventually they got around to CDs. Um, and then you're like, no, 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 it's a file on a computer. And your parents are like, wait a minute, you're spending money for a digital file on a computer. And, and you combine that with cryptocurrency and the blockchain guaranteeing that there, there's only 8,000 of this highlight and I own number 7,455. Um, it's, it's a, it's a confluence of worlds. Number one, I'm not sure that it's going to last. I I know that the blockchain will last. I know that online collectibles will last. I'm not sure that NBA Top Shot is going to be the one that lasts. Um, we'll see. Um, but right now, it is a marketplace of virtual collectibles. And in this case, they're, they're video snippets of highlight plays. So you take the five best plays of Colin Sexton's career. They commit them to trading card style highlights. There's a limited number of them and you can buy and sell them. But in order to buy and sell them, you have to do so on a marketplace. And just like Fortnite, where you can't buy, you can't buy new outfits or dance moves, emotes for your characters with dollars. You have to convert your dollars into V bucks, right? So in the case of NBA top shot, you're converting dollars into these credits via this third party company. And that now it's a different marketplace. And so it's just like collecting baseball cards or basketball cards or football cards. It's just in the digital marketplace. So are you buying individual highlights then, or are you buying like a pack? Like you, like this is the digital version of like buying a pack of baseball cards where like you open it up and then you find out which ones you got. Yes. So you, they, they do pack releases, which as of right now, and this is one of the big things why I think maybe it's going to be a fad. The demand is so high that I was in a pack release line the other day when I logged in at like 1201, I was already 80,000 in line for 5,000 packs. Are they doing like, I assume that there's probably like a fair amount of like bots and stuff like that. Can, can you and I own the same highlight? Yes, there, we cannot own the same highlight with the same serial number. So if, if they release, if Colin Sexton does something really cool, and they release that highlight as a tradable asset. Series one will only have five thousand, and so I could have number eight forty-seven, and you could have nine thirty-five, but we couldn't both own eight forty-seven. All right, I'm missing how this has any sort of like value, considering. Let's say you own. Let's say there's only one version of. Someone asked, what do you think is the most valuable one, right? And I think it's, I would probably say Jordan's last shot over um, Russell for the Jazz or whatever. Let's just say it's that. And there's only one version of it, and you own it. Why does that have any value when I can just go on YouTube and watch that shot? 
because in this marketplace where it was acquired in a pack or it was acquired for a dollar amount, it's, it's, it, everybody's playing along. Either you're playing along or you're not. And everybody here is playing along. That's very similar to baseball cards then. I mean, it's the same thing. Like what is a three by five inch piece of cardboard worth when you can see a picture of your favorite baseball player in the newspaper? Um, you know, it's it's kind of that trust within the marketplace that, you know, this is the scarce commodity and, you know, there's only so many of these. So that's why this one becomes valuable. And, you know, I, I guess from that aspect, it, it makes sense. Has there been any other company that's ever tried something like this? Because, like, I feel so like this. Let's do this, gentlemen. I'm going to share. It's not, it's honestly not terribly unrelated to just like Bitcoin and stuff. Like, it, it's, it's more unique in that, you know, you can tie it to actual things that you've heard of. Or events that you remember, but oh, here we go. We're on we're on the Top Shot uh, dashboard here. So this oh. is going to blow your mind. I'm in the marketplace. I put LeBron James in there. There is a highlight. Is going the lowest asking price is seven is fourteen thousand seven hundred and thirty seven dollars. We're going to need to get a few more uh, Patreon supporters here if we're going to be able to afford that one. Holy this shit. one, this one is listed as sixty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, it's. And so then, when you when you click on one of these, let's all right. So let's say we're interested in the thirteen thousand dollar highlight. <laughs> so this is what it is. So have there? So this has been how long has this been actually going on? Like how long have they been offering this up? About six months. Okay. They have like an asking price up there, right? And and this is to me, if I'm the guy that owns this, I'm thinking, you know, thirteen grand, that's kind of a moonshot. I'm hoping I can get some what's like what's the most one of these has gone for? I don't know what the the highest number is. Um, but right now when the the supply is being outpaced by the demand. So here's what I did. I'm not really all that interested in it honest with you i'm really not um but like i said you know i do pay attention to gary v i want to understand these things so i committed a certain a few a few dollars to participating just to the level where i could understand it because if if it's not nba top shot maybe it's going to be nfl blah 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 or i don't know some somewhere down the road maybe there's a music version that would be valuable to me, which I would like to partake in. Um, but I, I think Gary V is right. That these NFTs, this style of thing. I don't want to be the crusty old 42 year old who just doesn't understand it. And is like, wow, this is not what I'm used to. I want to <laughs> understand, like, it might still not be for me. I understand TikTok. It's not for me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to play there. But I get it. I logged in. I got an account. I looked at it. I understand it. If if it ever made sense for me, I would be able to participate. That's that's my you know. I want to explore these things. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but <laughs> but no. So I played around with it and uh, and I, I loaded some money in there. I bought a couple highlights. I sold a couple highlights. I made over two hundred bucks at least on paper. And I'm gonna keep playing, and we'll see what happens. Well, that's the thing. That third-party vendor that they're working with—I I thought I read something that they're like so overwhelmed with demand right now that they're like struggling to keep up with processing. Oh yeah, know, the, big time. So that's got to be kind of a red flag, no? Well, I mean, at some point, everybody's gambled with an offshore gambling account that that wasn't able to give you your money instantly, and the question is, do you ever get your money? So, and if you, if you, if most people end up getting their money, um, it's not a problem. And the fact that they're, um, endorsed by the NBA, I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that even if it's slow, even if it's wonky, eventually one way or another that uh, they'll hit their, uh, customer satisfaction, not customer satisfaction. They'll be able to fulfill the minimum requirements to, to not be a fraud. So did you, when you, 
bought a few highlights. Did you get anything good? Like what, what plays did you get? Um, no, you know, I, 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 it was, cl- I played it close to the vest. I, 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 I did the Homer pick. I bought a Colin Sexton highlight that I was able to flip for about a 30% profit. And then I also, as much as I hate the guy, I bought a Steph Curry uh, <laughs> highlight just because I knew the market would be good for it. And I, I made a, you don't 40%. have to like him to make money off of him. I, I, made, a, I made a 40% profit on that. There you go. Um, this thing that's so, funny though is like, is that necessarily an indicator of how valuable it's going to be? Nope. Nope. We might be just be in, a, we might just be in a complete and utter bubble. It's going to pop and, and embarrass everybody. So right now I'm, I've bought two more moments. I've got a Jalen Brown and a Tyler hero hero. And, and I've got them listed on the marketplace for sale and we'll see what happens. And worse, worse comes to worse. I lose a couple bucks uh, and I learned something, but it's not like I, I invested I didn't invest enough to buy a car. <laughs> I didn't invest enough to buy a PS5. Are I there just so I, enough? I, I look at this one you just looked at, $13,000. Like that's an obscene amount of money to pay for this thing, in my opinion. Totally. For something that people, and for for all of us, that would be an incredible amount of money to plop down on something like this. Um, but I, I, I look at this similar to the, how I look at like cryptocurrency and things like that, right? I, I understand it like 99%. But there's still that 1% where I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't really click. It doesn't really make sense to me. Are there people who are all in on this? Maybe not all in on it, but very in on it and like heavily invested millions upon millions of dollars who are sort of – because I feel like – um like Bitcoin and crypto is kind of being kept afloat by a handful of people who can actually put money behind it. But when I look and people say Bitcoin's worth fifty, sixty thousand dollars, how many people actually have that much money to put towards it to where you can actually monetize it at that level? So you it's it's a, it's a it's a little bit worse than even that, I think, because so like when they do a pack drop and they sell five thousand packs, mm-hmm. the rumors on the Top Shot Discord are that they're holding back anywhere between 500 and 1,000 packs for influencers and they're just giving them to them. And so I don't know if they're giving them to them or if they're reserving them for them so that they can buy them for the 100 bucks or the 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever. Maybe they're charging. Are they selectively deciding which ones to give them or is it random or? Well, and that's 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 what I'm saying. Um, and so if, if those people are getting, is this like proven? It's not proven. It's it's been talked about on the discord channels. Um, and it doesn't seem far fetched to me, but so then you've got, you've got the marketplace with people's real money, people like me who paid real money to get in. I've not been able to buy a pack yet. I've not been given a pack yet. Um, so that's almost like funneling people who had to pay to get in to people who got the fast lane. Yeah. You're kind of keeping money out of the marketplace and like driving it down a little bit in a way, whether that is offset by demand, who knows, but. Well, it is offset by demand because if you're giving it to influencers, going, the NBA top shot is the best. Then they get you to throw in your 150 bucks. Give me that one more time. No. <laughs> so, so you watch get, the replay traps, <laughs> you, you know, but like, um, so let's say I throw in a, a couple hundred bucks and you throw in a couple hundred bucks and Tom throws in a couple hundred bucks and you multiply that times 10,000. Um, all of a sudden all that money will eventually be funneled up to these people who are in the fast lane for free because they're considered influencers. I mean, it's, it's not unlike any, else for influencers right the people who have the most money also seem to get the most free shit that they don't need to get for free right so but it's it's a little different in that it's it's you're almost handing them currency in a way right it's not just here's you know here's a couple packs of baseball cards or anything like that right it's you're you're handing them this thing that is incredibly high demand right now doesn't really need it doesn't seem like it really needs much promotion or new attention and it has 
potentially a very large monetary value that they don't really need, like you don't really need their promotion for it. So why, why is it being given to them in the first place? And I'm just learning about this now. So my, I don't know, I should probably read up a little bit on it in the, uh, myself, but it's well, just, anybody who gets a pack is being given free currency right now because the demand is so high. So if I buy a pack, let's say I buy a pack, but you, of, you, but you buy the pack, I buy a pack for a hundred dollars, $99. Okay. okay. And it comes with six moments. And each one of those moments is going to be worth at least after two automatically is right. Because there's so few available. Yep. Even, even if it's a, I don't know, even if it's an Andre Drummond free throw, it's going to be worth over a hundred bucks. It's not crazy here, but for the record, they do not commit Andre Drummond free throws to moments in NBA top shot. You never know at the price they're going. Craig, I was going to say, I mean, like if anybody from top shot is listening to this, I am the co-host of a Cleveland sports podcast that has won awards. I influence maybe at least like one, maybe two people. I don't know. Maybe one of my cats. That's got to be worth like a Sasha Pavlovich layup from like 2006 or something. Right. Like, come on, hook your boy up here. Something, but no, it's, it's, it's a, it's just a crazy idea in that. I, I start to think of like, there were, at the very beginning, and I hate to keep tying it back to like Bitcoin and crypto because I feel like a lot of people don't really. No, it's part of it though because the the, block, the blockchain is doing all the verification and security. But I remember back, and I can't remember the call the the name of it, but there was a time where people had massive amounts of like Bit, Bitcoin and crypto kept on these exchanges, and then the exchange got hacked and all their shit was gone, and. Like I know a couple people through other people who have tens of thousands of Bitcoin that they just disappeared because of the exchange. No, that they no, no, no. The exchange was FDIC insured. I'm, I'm positive. I'm sure of it. Yes, of course. <laughs> and like at the value at the time that was like three dollars. Um, but the the fact the NBA is tying their name to something like this when something like that could theoretically happen. And then all those people are shit out of luck, right? Like, that's a pretty big commitment out of them, I think, right? I think so. And so, I mean, it tells me in a way that because it's the NBA and they can put a lot behind it, and it's not actual, like, hardcore currency. It's the, the currency company, by the way, I forgot, is called Dapper. Okay. There you go. So, oh. Just so you have a name. Okay. So, I guess it's, it's it seems like it's... I don't know. It's weird because I feel like baseball cards over the last year have just blown and blown up in popularity again for some unknown reason. Not just baseball cards. Your your boy cards. your boy is playing that game right now because back in the early two thousands, I was going on eBay and I was buying LeBron rookie cards for four or five six bucks a piece, and I just sent them all into PSA, the grading service. Uh, I have 13 LeBron cards being graded right now, and I'm hoping they all grade at 10. So when you go onto the Patreon today, people, Craig doesn't need it. <laughs> yeah, put all your Patreon dollars <laughs> to the nail in the coffin. There you go. No, but not until they come back. I don't. They might all come back as like four or fives. I have a buddy who he was like diehard collecting baseball cards in in like junior high, like high school age and still has like tons of them. And he texted me the other day. He's like, yeah, I sent him in. They told me it'll be like eight months before I get grades back. I'm just hoping the bubble doesn't burst before then. It's like, it does seem that delicate. I've been waiting since early. I sent him early October and they just entered the grading stage last week. I've been nervous about them, like getting lost or damaged in shipping or something like that. It's all tracked my man. Okay. Just don't send USPS. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. That, that all would just make me real nervous. Um, you trust you, FedEx with that stuff. I mean, you can, you can obviously, you can insure it to an extent, and you have to sort of guess. You have to be somewhat reasonable about it. But Craig, I don't know what you're paying for these cards. If the, if the UPS loses them and you get a thousand bucks a card, it might be less than they were worth. But you're not furious about it, you know what I mean? Like you'll you'll manage. So. But it's it's just weird that all this random stuff is becoming it's just becoming valuable like overnight. 
and no one really knows why. Like no, I know why. Why are baseball cards popular again? Because it's all this country is going through rich people problems. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic and everything is, it's not even. Um, but like in my business, I see houses selling. I see the stock market going insane. This, this country has achieved a level of maturity as a nation. Like we've had enough generations of wealth building that there are so many rich people that it just like it, my buddy collects vintage video game systems like Neo Geo and Genesis and all these kinds of things. And there's a run, a huge run on CRT TVs that are in good working condition, because if you're going to play a Genesis game, you've got, you've got to play it on a tube TV. Otherwise it's not, it's not uh genuine, like it's not a genuine experience. And so now there's like a run on all these big giant heavy Trinitron TVs that nobody wanted three years ago. Yeah. No, it's uh and I got to imagine that the pandemic with keeping people home and maybe not doing as much as they, you know, would have been doing socially uh, prior to that, you got a lot of idle time on your hands and you start getting into things like this. Um, so I, I'm, I've got to believe that's a contributing factor as well. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've been one of these people who over the years, I just, got rid of like shit i didn't care about anymore like if i wasn't using it i don't need it around whatever on the long shot that it becomes popular again good luck to whoever gets it after i throw it away um but i do see a lot of this stuff i'm like maybe i should have hoarded a little bit more <laughs> so i kept all my i kept all my baseball cards my basketball cards my football cards there was a point uh two or three years ago where I, we had moved twice and I'd never unboxed my CDs where I went through my CDs and I picked out the 50 that like my desert Island, I couldn't live without. And then I gave, I gave away all the rest of them. So like I've done it in spots. It makes sense in, in spots. We don't keep books. Um, there's no reason to keep a book. The only DVDs we've kept are the kids Blu-rays. Um, and at this point with Disney plus, those are probably the next things to go. So in spots, I totally agree with you. Keeping things just makes no sense whatsoever. But those LeBron cards that I collected in 2004 <laughs> and 2005, I was always going to keep those, you know, in three years from now, you'll get them back and find out what they're worth. What's your, <laughs> like, what, what were you paying for a card back then, Craig? Dude, I was all over eBay overpaying four five, six, seven $7 a card. Okay, that's um, what I'm so you're so no matter what, I let's, say you, let's say you let's say you were spending fifty bucks a card and you had twenty cards, it's a thousand, whatever. You're you throw you set it aside. You like them; they're cool. If they never come back in value, whatever. But that's not that big of an investment. It wasn't. A, it's not really an investment if you don't notice the money is gone. In my opinion, so yeah, for you, no. was like, yeah, this might boom again. If not, you know, I got some cool stuff that I like. If I have $200 in this investment, I'd be shocked. Yeah. And that's the thing that's weird is so many, there were, I mean, there was a time when we were younger and you'd see, you'd see like Honus Wagner and it'd go for however many million dollars. Right. And so kids were building up this collection. Like, yeah, one day this is going to be worth something. And I, I bought into that at one point. I collected cards and I was like, yeah, whatever. No, it's not. I'm still I waiting mean, for my, my Mark Grace rookie cards to be worth something. <laughs> <laughs> he led the league in doubles one time. I remember that because I had him in fantasy in like 96 I, or something. I, I was thinking about this the other day too. I loved Mark Grace. And then in his later years, he went on the Jim Rome show all the time. And he used to talk about like hardcore baseball culture. And he was like, you know, you're on, you're on a bad streak of games. You got to go find yourself a slump buster. <laughs> You know, you go find the ugliest, fattest girl you can find, and, and like, dude Mark would be Grace, so dude. canceled today. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's funny. As soon as the name Mark Grace came up, the first word that came into my head was slump buster. It was it was a, it was a well known bit on Jim Rome. He replayed it for like five years. It was a famous call. It was a famous take. Um, it's just. And I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying like, I didn't think twice about it back then. Um, it's, it's just weird how time is, how, how things have changed over time. Baseball cards are making a comeback. 
Slump Busters, maybe not so much. <laughs> Slump Busters will never go away. You're just not allowed to talk you about, them. about them. Yeah, they're not going to be on the radio. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, boy. Um, who, who thought we'd ever get there, Tom? Yeah, we went. <laughs> we really ran the gamut tonight. Somehow we ended up I don't here. know why Mark Grace occurred to me, but I loved that guy. I loved his cards. They're worthless. Yeah, well. think maybe they're not. I imagine you've looked into it. They're worthless, aren't they? I, I haven't looked into it, but I just can't. I, if they were worth something, I would know. Well, boys, uh, I am going to uh, wrap this up so that I can go down to my basement and dig through all my boxes and see if yeah. I'm sitting on any treasures down there and uh, might be. Uh, yeah. What are the, uh, the, the old like wrestling action figures going to come back into play? Those got to be worth something. I I don't have any of those anymore, and I sorely regret it because there actually is a very big market for those right now as well. I know. So, um, yeah, kids, if you're out there, you're you're collecting toys. Hold on to them. Don't let your parents uh, uh, get rid of them all. What's going to happen though is our generation. We all have kids, and we're giving them crap now. We're going to be like, no, hold on to it. (laughs) Thirty years from now, it's all going to be worthless, but we're going to have buckets of it in our basement, thinking like, oh yeah, this is any one of these days. It's going to hit. All right, it's hey not- Tom. Hey Tom, yes. let me do let me do the plugs. Do it. Yeah, you, you're right. the professional. The Nail in the Coffin podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you give it a rating or a review. The Waiting for Next Year.com podcast is also available. Give it a rating or a review. We are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Um, you can always find episodes of our podcast and the nail in the coffin at waitingfornextyear.com. Please, please, please consider joining our Discord channel. You can find those links. We've been having so much fun on Discord. So Discord is like a somewhere between a message board and a chat server. And it's been really great for us to, to hang out with the readers and the listeners and talk in a place that's far less toxic than Twitter. So join up there. And then finally... Um, if you have a couple extra bucks, what we do doesn't cost us a lot of money, but it does cost a little bit of money. And, um, the only way we're able to keep it going is by the patronage of our patrons at Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash WFNY P A T R E O N.com forward slash WFNY. And make sure when you're there, you select the nail in the coffin, select them. What's the, uh, what's the discord channel? You got to find the link. It's really, it's waiting, the waiting for next year discord. I I haven't figured out how to link to that one yet, but uh, it's WFNY. It's all over our Twitter. It's all over our Facebook page. And uh, it'd be awesome to see you guys on there. Good stuff. Craig, you're, uh, you're a pro doing these. We're going to have to like call you in from the bullpen to uh, close out all of our episodes from uh, now on. It's uh, it's good. uh, Always good to catch up with you on here. We got to do this again soon. Yeah, it was fun, guys. All right. That's going to do it for Craig Lindell, for Travis Hewley. I'm Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin. We'll catch you again soon. Hey there. My name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.